Why are so many young women today afraid to identify themselves as feminists? And where do they find their role models? In politics? At the movies? How about in the Bible? This is Signs of the Times Radio with Kent Kingston. Hey, it's great to have you back for another week of Signs of the Times Radio. And on the phone with me from Melbourne, wintry shutdown Melbourne, is Kapungwe Bessa. Do you prefer Kapungwe or Ke? Either or, but you've done pretty well pronouncing my name, so I'm pretty proud. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so so Kapungwe for those who are in the sort of advanced leagues and for the, <laughs> you know, just the, the average Joe, just Ke, hey, K-E, that's it. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Hey, so how is Melbourne? You, you sound relatively cheery, but on the news, we're, <laughs> we're seeing terrible things and shutdowns. I, I think just, re- just recently we've, we've had the law passed that everyone in public in Melbourne must wear a mask and you will risk fines if, if you're yep. caught without a ma- mask. Wow, this is hardcore. Yeah, it's it's a bit of madness outside. I'm trying my best not to like consume too much news because every time I open like news or anything, even social media now, it's just like bombarded with what's happening outside. But yeah, I'm chill. Like my area, they don't pretty like we follow the rules, but we're not like that strict strict in the sense of we're not that what's the word <laughs> panicky about everything that's happening. So I think just the biggest mentality is just to be calm um, and just follow what the government's telling you. I think that's the biggest way and just to stay safe. So mm. that's what I'm trying to do, try to stay isolated and avoid the chaos space. Right, right. So you, you do realize you, you just confess to, you know, all our <laughs> listeners on Faith FM all over Australia and not to mention all our podcast listeners that, you know, the police are listening in and now they know that, uh, <laughs> where, where, where are you? Is it, is it Dandenong Ranges? No, I'm in Chernside Park, so like Lilydale area. Oh, Chernside Park. I used to live in Chernside Park, Circle Ridge, right on top of the oh. hill there. There you go. So now, now we know that um, Chernside Park is slack with lockdown <laughs> and the, the cops need to get around there and start handing out some fines and get you people in line. <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. They try. We try. I just feel like it's so calm because even when I go to the stores, even though if I'm wearing a mask and whatever, like everyone's wearing a mask, but it's still this thing like we just seem chill. Like everyone just seems calm. And I'm like, oh, okay. If everyone else seems calm, I'm guessing it's not that big of a deal. Like we're still following the rules and stuff. But like, yeah, it's just like a daily normal life on the side. So. Look, I, I guess it's difficult to stay panicked forever. Hey, at, at some point, yeah. the, the adrenaline has to reduce and you're like, well, this, as people say, you know, this is the new normal, at, at exactly. least for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. So we're getting used to the fact that we're living in this time, basically. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, Kat, you wrote a, a great article for us, that actually the front cover article for the Signs of the Times magazine. It's entitled Wonder Women of the Bible, which is you know an, an interesting sort of crossover kind of title, and, and it does uh, sort of make you ask questions. So obviously your focus is on women and, and women's experience. But I guess my question, just to kick off, you know, as as a person who's, you know, a, a generation older than you, <laughs> you know, seriously, Kapungwe Besa, do girls today really still face sexism or is, you know, is any complaint about, oh, I'm not being treated right, you're, you're being mean to me because I'm a girl, is is that just, just whinging? Seriously. 
that is a very like deep question <laughs> the first question but I think we do to an extent. I think it's not as bad as it was. Of course, now we're getting more breakthroughs and and seeing more females in like positions of, you know, CEOs and positions of like higher high rankings. But I still think if you look outside, most of our politicians are male. If you look outside, most of our CEOs or most of our bosses are males. So it's this thing where, even where I work, most of my bosses are males. So it's this thing where, yes, we do get our voices heard, but we're not we're not the ones making the big changes. Like we're not the ones up there. So I think it's not as big of a stigma. Like I don't think that we're getting shut down as much as we did before for ideas and, and speaking out, but it's still a thing in the air. If that makes sense. Right, right. Okay, so, so yes, there there have been improvements, but it's not like equality has has been achieved as yet. That's that's basically what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Then so here's a an, another loaded question these days, and I, I find it really interesting <laughs> to ask younger women this. Yeah, just because of the sort of perceptions that are around. Do you consider yourself a feminist? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, I know this is going to hurt a lot of hearts, but no. Oh, really? Okay. Um, and and, and, no, and why okay. is that? Because it's interesting you say that because I think increasingly a lot of young women today don't identify strongly with feminism. I mean, you've, you've just been talking to me about equality and how women should have equality. I mean, to my mind, that's feminist. That's, that's a feminist statement. But then you say you don't identify yeah. as a feminist. So, so what's, what's the problem? Where's the, where's the issue for you? Yeah. So, okay. For me, the world, the way the world, I don't want to put this as well, but the way culture and social media and just how the internet has put feminism, it's more of a statement where I have to be, or woman has to be above a man or a woman has to either procure the same position as a man or greater than, or the fact that a man's role lessens me as a person. But I'm more of the sense where we can, like, I know where I belong. Like, and because you say the man is my boss, it doesn't mean that it it, it removes my stance on where I am in that, in that workplace as well. I feel like it doesn't have to be a fighting force. Like we don't have to be going toe to toe or head to head on being above the other. We all have a a part to play and it's okay to play it and not be ahead of the other person. If that makes sense. Okay. okay. (laughs) I'm just trying to make make myself addressed. Yeah. Yeah. No, sure. Sure. So, so it seems like the sort of militant feminism that perhaps, you know, sometimes we see is something that, that doesn't work for you or this sense of a competitive feminism that, that says a, a woman's advantage, you know, has to be won, uh, you know, at the expense of, of crushing a man, you, yeah. you, you don't yeah, you don't identify with that. I, mean, I, I, I guess what I would say to that is that, well, look, there are varieties of feminism. There's a, there's a continuum of feminism. And, and perhaps, you know, if you were to, you know, look into it more carefully, you might actually find yourself, you know, very genuinely a feminist, but perhaps not at that more extreme militant end. Mm. Yeah. But hey, look, we're we we're not here to, to discuss gender theory. Well, maybe we are. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how so th- these days, you know, when you I mean you say you're trying to stay away from the media lately, but you know, your article, you know, goes into movies and you know particular particularly yeah. m- movies where women are, are you know heroes and, and superheroes. How are women presented in the media today? And and do you see that changing? Mm. 
that's a good question <laughs> yeah i think in most okay so when i say when i'm speaking media i'm speaking like tv music yeah, yeah. what else do we have here yeah so i think yes i believe that we're getting more we, we've been in, how to explain it? So we're being put in places where we can be the leading woman in this situation. So I see more women being the head of the leading ladies of casts, leading ladies of TV shows, leading ladies of movies. And I'm like, yes, this is what I want to see. <laughs> so it's good in the media that we're seeing more of it. And like, yeah, like I'm really happy with what's happening in that sphere of things. But it's kind of divided, isn't it, Care? I mean, uh, I uh, yeah. recently, you know, here I am in my mid-40s, finally got around <laughs> to sort of getting involved in Instagram because that's where all the action sit. I mean, of course, all the kids have mm-hmm. now moved to TikTok, so I, I've missed that boat. But, you know, so one one social media generation behind. But nevertheless, you know, in- Instagram, I mean, the, mm. the number of like images of, of young women with uh, swimwear with their buttocks hanging out on, mm. on Instagram is just unbelievable. Like I, as a, you know, someone trying to set up an Instagram feed of images that I was interested in, I, it was like mm. dodging potholes in a, you know, on, on a re- really rough road, you know, <laughs> everywhere, these sexualized images of women, you know, in particular young women. Yeah. So it's interesting that you say that, well, yeah, we see women in leading roles more and more, but it still seems seems that there is this image of of, of the sexualized woman that is still mm-hmm. very much with us in in the media we are a very visual culture and mm-hmm. it's a very hypersexualized culture no that's so true and um in regards to that i think now that we've because sometimes the images aren't the images that are on instagram stuff they're not posted by men they're posted by females themselves mm. so at the same time we now that we have the power we need to take control of the narrative so in a way, we also fall into, we put ourselves sort of in a way, in a porthole where we're like, okay, I know this is what some some media shows us the best way to be attractive or the best way to be seen is to be half-dressed, basically. And yes, we, we ourselves do sexualize ourselves to an extent because that's what we think the, the world wants. That's what we think the male audience wants to be attracted for us to be attractive, to be desired. So it's this thing where we can change the narrative, like, because we've got the power now to do that. We've got Instagram, we've got social media, and we can change the power and change the voice of us as females, but it's in our hands. So I can't tell the next girl to be like, hey, put on more clothes, because, you know, she's an individual and gets to make her own choices and stuff. So, yeah, it's it's a bit of a, the an oxymoron sometimes in in how we do things and what we see so yeah i totally understand where you're coming from yeah yeah look it it is a really difficult and complex issue and and i'm certainly aware that even within feminism you know there's a massive argument Uh, i mean as you say Mm. you know you know women are individuals they have a right to present themselves as they want and if that is hey i'm attractive i'm sexy that's part of who i am then some see that as empowerment some see that as objectification Mm -hmm. and and depowerment so look the the jury's you know way out on that it's 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 really complex we probably won't save it uh, won't uh, solve it today so who who are your your heroes as you look in the media as as you read even the, the people around you you know fiction news um who who are the women you're looking up to the the role models that you're like yeah i you make me see what is possible i want to be like you oh my this is gonna sound so cliche <laughs> don't say you, you're gonna oh, say your mom. mom your mom <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, a, a lot of people say that. But what? Why is it? What's what's special about your mum? What's heroic about your mum? 
I just think like she's been through a lot, like having to, I think it was me a realization now that I'm away from home and I'm actually being able to see what my mom's, my mom has actually done for her kids because we are an immigrant family and we moved literally our whole lives. We've been basically moving around. But for my mom, it was this thing where she had to leave her whole family because we first moved to South Africa from our home country, which is Zambia. Mm -hmm. And so she moved from Zambia to South Africa and then moved again to England to try to find like a better housing or situation for us. And then, of course, didn't like England. So they moved to Australia. And it's this thing I'm like, I realize now that my mom is so far away from her actual family where everyone else like in Australia, I see everyone, they can go and see the grandparents. They can go and see the aunts. And I'm like, my mom doesn't have that support system, mm -hmm. but she's been able to move around and do all this for us. And like disregard, like, cause she does face challenges and stuff, but at the same time, she knows that there's a goal and a reason for why she's moving. And it's us, her kids. So it's this thing where I just totally respect her for that. Cause I'm like, I think like, could I do that? Could I leave my family? Like I'm scared. Like I've just moved out now and I'm like, Oh, I want, to go home <laughs> but at the same time she's been able to literally move continents like hours and like flights away from her family I'm like yeah I couldn't I couldn't even envision that so I'm like I'm total respect for my mom um, and my dad of course but my mom you know <laughs> yeah yeah no sure I, I, I totally get it yeah it, it is a really inspirational isn't it when you see someone who's been through a lot of hard stuff who's made a lot of hard decisions and you're like, wow, how did you do that? How did you survive that? What what strength of character, you know, is is yeah. behind that? And yeah, you, you want to learn from it. And you're strengthened by it, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Like you see that, okay, if she can do that, then she's empowered me to see from her, like her experiences to be able to do the same if I need to. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so Kay, in, in your article, you, you look at Wonder Women of the Bible, but you're sort of jumping off point for that, you know, your springboard for that is a, a couple of female superheroes in particular you know Wonder Woman and also the the Black Widow you know these are, are movies that are, are coming out later this year what is it about these two characters that really grabbed you that you know made you think wow you know here's a, a strong sort of you know role model for for women and girls oh, okay so with Wonder Woman it's just this thing of like, uh, in the sense, with the same story with my mom, like leaving all you know, leaving all you've been around and traveling to a whole new world, but then being able to make a change and being able to be a voice. And it's okay to to do that. It's okay to leave what you know and, and travel and, and, you know, make change. I think that was the biggest thing for me with her, with Wonder Woman. And then when it comes to Black Widow, it's her history. I think the things that we don't really know much about who she was before we know her as Black Widow, but then to actually deep down, dig into her, her history and knowing that she's come from pretty much an orphanage. She was pretty much sent away from her home and, and put into a place where she was trained up, didn't really have any connections to family and stuff. But then through that and through her experiences, through her knowledge, she was able to overcome her situation and be better and use all her skills for good and I think we don't really get the hero story like there's this thing where everybody that is a hero everybody that we see that is in power in today's world comes from good pastures whereas people can actually come you're allowed to come from the bad the worst of the worst and redeem yourself you're allowed to have a story that's not necessarily appealing but actually still be able to do something that changes the world and 
and allowed to have your voice be heard. I think that's the biggest thing with Black Widow for me at, at this point anyway, from hearing her story. Right. So I'm excited to see her movie. I'm excited to hear her backstory, like, in film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and it is a backstory, isn't it? I mean, the like, yeah. Black Widow is part of the, the Marvel's yeah, Avengers series. Is, is that right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Look, I'm... My my boys are like totally into this. I'm a little bit on the fringe. I've seen a few of the movies, but not totally my thing. But but a thing that seems to have come up again and again with the with the Avengers series is that people are interested in mm. seeing you know what is the origin story of of some of these characters. And so they they did that with Wolverine. They did it with Thor. I think they you know did it with a, a number of those. Oh, Captain America did it with a, a number of those characters. And even Black Panther, obviously, you know, a couple of years back, that was mm. a, a big deal. But now the the Black Widow, Natasha Romanov. So mm. and, and and as you say, I mean, this is a pretty rough origin story. Like here's this girl like taken to basically be brainwashed and turned into mm. some sort of a, a assassin. And, and as you say, she manages to overcome that. And there is does seem to be that spark of good that remains in her despite all the let's face it, basically abuse that that she endures. That, that says something about human nature doesn't it that there is this sort of spark of good there is this sort of divine spark in in all of us you know despite the suffering we might go through yeah yeah no so true because as you were talking i just remembered i was remembering her basically her full story and and the 180 it took because from just like how you said her background and then also to see how she actually, if people have watched the latest Avengers, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but how she passes away. And it's like, wow, for someone who had to be so selfish in her, her job before to be someone so selfless at the end, it's just amazing to see how in us as humans, we all have an element of selflessness. There's always going to be some person in our lives who we want to sacrifice it all for. And we're all capable of love in that sense as well. So it's it's amazing to see, yeah, just how how divine it is, how innate it is in us. Even though it's deep, deep, like for some people, it's there. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, wow, wow. And the interesting thing that you do in your article, Kate, is that you, you make this comparison between, you know, this fictional character, you know, Natasha Romanov, the Black Widow, mm-hmm. and a biblical character of uh, of Rahab. Can, can you tell us a little bit about Rahab and then perhaps explain for us, you know, how you see these these two characters linking? Okay, so Rahab is, it's stories in Joshua 2, if I'm correct, but mm-hmm. I think that's correct. <laughs> and it's basically about a woman who is a prostitute, a promiscuous woman during that time into the city of Jericho. And her city was meant to be basically invaded by the Israelite army and they were meant to come and take over their city. And she knew this from probably word would have gone around and stuff. And there were two spies who, Israelite spies that came into Jericho and just was, they were meant to sight the land. And they were running away from the Jericho army or Jericho soldiers that were meant to come and capture them because they had news that they were in the in their city. Mm. So um, Rahab takes these men and hides them on top of her house and basically says to the men, or oh, she lies to the soldiers when they come knocking at her door that when the soldiers come knocking at her door to tell her, bring the sol- like bring the soldiers out, the Israelite soldiers out, because we know they're in your house. And she's like, no, 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 they're not in my house. They they ran away, you know, I, they went past the gate or whatever. Yeah, they went that um, way, quick, <laughs> hurry, go catch yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so basically lying to the soldiers, love her, but to protect them. 
So she hit them up on her roof and she asked the soldiers once the once the Jericho soldiers sorry, had passed, she asked the Israelite soldiers, can you please protect my family? I know who your God is. I know the person that has taken you out of Egypt. I know she's basically telling me the whole backstory of the Israelite backstory and how God has really worked in their lives and, and has held them as a community. And she says to them, please protect my family, whatever happens, because I know you're going to come and destroy and <laughs> destroy my city. I know it's, it's a definite, mm. but protect my family. And they promised that, like, yeah, we'll protect your family. We'll make sure that you are safe. And yeah, and it's the story of what was most impactful to me was the fact that this woman is not... It's not your everyday woman that you know would probably read the Bible or would probably go to church. Like it's not, it's not that person. It's the person mm. who would go outside, make money by, you know, unfortunately selling her, selling her body and God and and prostitution isn't really a context that you see together. Mm. But for her, I think she had, she must have had an epiphany moment or the Holy Spirit in terms of she would have been convicted that the Lord that they serve must be so powerful and I would want to serve that Lord because he's protected his people. And in other terms, she wouldn't want to be harmed either. She knows that there's some good or there is ultimate good in the person they serve. And in a way, because when you actually read the story about where she hid the, hid the Israelites, the the things that the straw that she hid them under was actually straw that was actually quite like worthy. Like it was quite an expensive straw. It was flax, I think it was. Um, from memory. Yeah, the flax. Yeah, she, yeah. she hid the spies yeah. under a pile so, of flax on her roof. Yeah, I remember Yeah, that. exactly. <laughs> I was trying to remember the word. I was like, what's the word? The Which flax. is what linen is made out of. And, and I think in the Bible, yeah, like, linen is well known as a, a very sort of, you know, fine linen is a, a very luxurious sort of sort of fabric. So, yeah, it's it's interesting to, yeah, to, to note that. Yeah, so it's very interesting to see that she must have been trying to change her life at, at, for her to have that or to want to have a new second business to just change her trajectory of life instead of having to sell her body. She can sell like actual clothing or linen or, or things that would make probably the same profit to suffice on, and survive. So um, to see that now instead of her having to sell those linens, she's basically getting her life saved through the mm, Israelite mm. army. So, yeah, it's just it's crazy. And I guess, Kay, you, you do see in that story, I mean, here's, here's a woman, as you say, you know, living a, as a prostitute, um, which, you know, would have been uh, traumatizing, demeaning to, to a certain extent. Uh, but nevertheless, she, she cares so much for her family, you know, and, and this is the family that, you know, that has allowed her to go into prostitution. I mean, who even pushed her, who, who knows? But nevertheless, she's like, hey, I, I want to look after my family. That is an incredible spirit of self-sacrifice that you see there. Mm-hmm. And, it, and and that story certainly raises a, a lot of issues. You know, here's someone who uh, who is clearly seen to be, you know, one of, one of the good guys. And nevertheless, you know, she lies, she deceives, she betrays her own people. It's, it's yeah, it's an ethical minefield and a really, really interesting story to, to read and, and to think about. So the the other character you, you really go into, Care, is Wonder Woman, and you make that comparison with Deborah in the Bible. So, uh, of course, in the first Wonder Woman movie, I've seen this. This is, I think her name is Diana. She lives on, on yep. this, this sort of hidden island with these Amazon, you know, women warriors. Uh, but then Diana actually leaves that sort of pl- that safe place, that that place of, of refuge, to go and and take on the is it the Nazis in in World War Two I think. But then there's the the biblical story of Deborah. T- tell us about that and and how that links back to to this you know fictional story of of Wonder Woman. 
So Deborah is a judge in the Israelite, basically, how do I say this? Like, she's an Israelite. Mm. <laughs> but she was in a, a judge in a situation where the Israelites didn't have, they didn't have kings. They, they needed judges to rule over them to just basically keep order and stuff like that. But during her time, majority of the people that were in charge were males and she she couldn't fight she wasn't an army led person she wasn't anyone who had those skills so she had to enlist someone who could help her defeat an evil general an evil king who was attacking her people basically and through that she was able to through her general she was able to defeat the the evil people they were called the Caesarea and mm. the guy sorry the guy was called Caesarea C- Cicera, and then yeah, yeah. also is that how do I say it I, I think it's Cicera? I think it's Caesarea but I, I could be wrong Caesarea no that, I think you're correct that's correct because my pronunciations are not great oh, look, C- C- Caesarea um, Caesarea I, I don't think it really matters <laughs> who knows we, um, n- neither yeah. of us were there care <laughs> true but yeah basically she's trying to get rid of an oppressive general from a different I think it was a different nation and so yeah so she ends up with the help of an enlisted warrior she called Barak mm-hmm. anybody know name Barak but anyway <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah so he comes and he helps defeat this uh, oppressive general and then eventually um, the king of the of this oppressive general also gets killed eventually thankfully by a woman but you know it is what it is and basically with her i think the biggest story for me was she was in the same situation with Diana. She was in a situation where she was thrown into a war, where she had to fight a war that was oppressing people, not only, but her, for Diana, for Diana was people that were not her own tribe, but mm. for Deborah, it was people of her tribe. Mm. Um, so it would have been more close to home. But yeah, so standing up for people who were being oppressed, standing up for people who didn't know how else to, like, didn't have any other means to fight and and they couldn't really see a peace coming out of the situation for both those situations. But then both these women have been able to enlist men because they knew they were living in a world of majority men and enlist someone who can help move forward their their agenda, Mm. but their good cause. (laughs) But in both these cases, I guess, Kay, you're looking at women taking very clearly a role a role of leadership. It's really interesting to read the story of, of Deborah in the Bible that, you know, the, these men are saying, oh, please like, help us, please lead us. And she's just rolling her eyes going, oh, my goodness, you men are hopeless. And, you know, she just she, she has to step up. She has to organize stuff. She has to make it happen because mm-hmm. if she doesn't, no one will. Oh, and, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it's really, really quite, quite a fascinating story to, to, uh, to check out. And look, I'd certainly, you know, recommend our our readers do that. So, look, we, we are yeah. pretty much out of time, um, Care, but just before we go, you know, given all yes. this, you know, the, the Bible, the people you admire, the, you know, the role of, of women today, try to project yourself forward a, a few years when perhaps, you know, you have kids of your own, I guess particularly girls. What, mm-hmm. what messages will you be giving your daughters uh, about their role and, and their potential as they, you know, come to, to discover their identity and, and look to their future? Wow. <laughs> I think the biggest message I probably would want to tell my daughters is know who your father is. I think, I don't know, for, for girls that are Christian anyway, I think knowing who your father is in heaven, so knowing who God is will make you recognize your worth in the sense where you are a daughter of Christ. You are a woman who has been bought at an unmeasurable price. You are someone who is worth living. You are someone who is worth fighting for. You are a voice for the voiceless. You are, there's a lot, it's very com- like compounded, but mm. 
I think there's a lot that comes from knowing who your creator is. There's a lot coming from who, who you know uh, is above you and then being that reflection. So I guess yeah. if, if, if your father is the, the king of the universe, then that makes yeah. you, know, you a cosmic princess. You, you know what I mean? That's, a, wow, you know, that, that's something to take pride in, but there's also a responsibility there, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, so, so our, our identity, yeah, so really key. And anything else just as we finish off? So I just want to let them know that they loved and that you don't have to conform. You don't have to. Yeah, it's it's a it's a big thing because you you don't really think five years ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just want to know that they loved and that they cared for and that it, you have a voice. Like, don't let anyone ever diminish that. Like, you were created on this earth for a purpose and a reason, and it's not to be silent in a sense. So yeah, if that's to five people, that's to a thousand people. Like, you you still you have someone, someone's waiting to be listening to you. Like someone's waiting to listen to you basically. So yeah, I think that's one of the biggest ones that I would probably say. Wow. Wow. No, I, I really like that. Okay. So yeah, yeah, thanks so much for, for writing the, this article for us in Signs of the Times magazine. And thanks so much for being a part of Signs Radio today. Thank you so much for having me. It was so compounded. There was so much to discuss, but of course we can't do all of that in half an hour, but you know. <laughs> well, look, at least our listeners should read the article because that's a, certainly a, a great start. Thanks, yep. Care. Exactly. Thank you so much. Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Science of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au. Signs of the Times has been published in Australia since 1886 and is proudly produced by Adventist Media. This is an Adventist Media podcast.